Good morning, church. Oh, happy Pentecost. You guys excited about today? Great day to be in church, gathering together. That worship was just amazing and just made me reflect on all the things that God's been doing in my life and in your life, and what a blessing. Great to have you here today. It's, it's, uh, we're going to, in a sense, celebrate Pentecost Sunday because I'll tell you what, Pentecost Sunday was such an amazing time, and that's when the church was birthed, and so we're going to be looking into some things today in 2 Timothy. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers will get you a Bible. Keep your hand up, ushers. We've got a few over here. We'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Got a couple of announcements. Um, Wednesday nights, we have Bible study at 6.30. Wednesday night, Pastor David's teaching through the Gospels. It's been awesome. We also have children's ministry and nursery. So if you got kids, uh, what we're doing on Wednesday night with the kids is we're feeding the kids and discipling them. So if you want your kids discipled and fed, so all you got to do is take them home and put them to bed, then bring them on Wednesdays. I don't know about you, but I need a Wednesday midweek study. And so, uh, you know, the Bible says daily bread. And, and I'll tell you what, if you're a Christian, that Sunday's your only day that you really get into the Bible, then you're going to find yourself weak all throughout the week. And you got to get strengthened by getting into the Word. So I encourage you to come out Wednesday nights. Um, Saturdays, we have our new youth outreach from 5 to 7 right here. All kinds of stuff going on. We're looking for some volunteers. If you want to volunteer to help out, uh, Chauncey's right there in the back. Chauncey, wave at everybody. That's him right there. He's going to be heading that up. So youth outreach Saturday, 5 to 7. Um, also, I want to give you guys an update. I know a, a couple months back, we, we combined both services to have a, a unity month to, so that you guys could get to know the, the other folks from the other service because many of you didn't know. You were like, man, that guy didn't even go to church, and you didn't even know they went to the first service, you know? So it's, we did this, and here's the amazing thing is that uh, since we combined the services, our church actually grew. Yeah, that's a good thing. But I know there's still people that are, are suggesting they'd really like to have another service, so I'm going to give you a suggestion. Everybody just invite one person, and we'll do that. I'll give you a minute on that, okay. Just invite one person a week, and then we'll have to do that. Um, I want to take uh, some time to just uh, acknowledge uh, our military, Monday's Memorial Day. So if we have any that have served our country, would you please stand up? All right. <laughs> yeah, come on. Thank you. Thank you for your service. We love you. Um, we are so uh, stoked that we live. We still, whether, whatever you think of this country, it's still the best thing going. Hello? And I'll tell you what, and I just want to be thankful for uh, those in the military, and uh, I want to honor them with prayer as we open up in the Word to start uh, our teaching this morning, but I just want to acknowledge those that laid down their life for us, that we could have these freedoms, 
to uh, live the way we do. We have it so good compared to the rest of the world. And if you don't think you got it good, I will take you on a missions trip and blow your mind. Okay, but uh, we have it so good because of the men and women that are willing to lay down their lives. And you know what? I, I also I just don't want to limit that to uh, military, but I, I am also very thankful for our police force, for our firemen, our, our EMTs, the, the first responders. It's like they're they're in a battle, too. And, and we just want to give thanks. So let's bow our hearts, pray for the message and thank the Lord for um, what he's done with the men and women in service. And so, Lord, we come to you humbly right now, thanking you with all of our hearts, Lord. We thank you that we live in this country, and even though it's messed up in so many ways, um, it's still the best thing going, Lord God. And we pray that you would get a hold of our country. From the president on down, we pray for them and ask that you would bring uh, a great awakening and revival to sweep our country, because if everybody turns their heart to you, problem solved. And so, Lord, we lift up to you the military the, the men and women that have served our country, the men and women that have laid down their lives, the families that are left without a spouse or a father or a mother because they gave their life. And Lord, we just thank you for those heroic, brave individuals that saw the, the, just the purpose of protecting our country and protecting our freedoms and standing up for you. And so, Lord, we are so grateful. And as we get into your word, Lord God, we reflect on this day when the church was birthed and we ask that you would pour out your spirit and give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. Bless this time and the reading of your word and the teaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Well, we are in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to finish the chapter today. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Say amen if you're there. Second Timothy chapter 1, beginning, at, let's begin at verse 8 and go through 14. It says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, Paul speaking, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to po the power of God who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Amen. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. Wow. Is that beautiful or what? I love that. I want you guys to be encouraged today because as we're looking at this passage, this portion, we're looking at it on Pentecost Sunday. And for those that don't know, Pentecost Sunday was the day the church was birthed, 50 days after the resurrection that 
the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon the believers and gave them power to do all things in Jesus' name. I love that song we just sang, Speak the Name of Jesus. Amen. There's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. And it's through Jesus Christ that I can do all things because he's the one that strengthens me. And what happened at Pentecost is there was a bunch of people in, in a room praying and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And it was what Jesus was telling them. He was saying, wait here for the power and the promise of the Father. When you get born again, you are a believer. You are baptized into the body of Christ. You are sealed. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. But what happened on Pentecost was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is receiving the power and the promise of the Father. We want to do everything in God's power and not in our flesh. We want to do everything in God's strength and not in our own. That's how we're going to get things done. So the real question is, is how much have you yielded yourself to the Holy Spirit? Don't tell me how much of the Holy Spirit you have. I want to know how much does the Holy Spirit have you. And when Pentecost happened... And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They went out and they spoke in all the languages that those Jews from all over the world had come up for this very feast. And they heard the wonderful, glorious things of God in their own language. And they were blown away. These folks had the gift of tongues to speak and to minister to every person from every country in their own language the wonderful works of God. And then Peter, you know Peter, ready, fire, aim, Peter. Peter that never takes his foot out of his mouth except to put the other one in. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's how you know there's a God, got up and preached a message and 3,000 people got saved. Amen? That's awesome. I'm a little envious. But you know... The church came under attack. And today's message is, I entitled it, No Shame to Claim the Name. No shame. Are you, are you ashamed of Jesus? I hope not. Now it's easy to be in church and say, no way. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Yeah, I'll preach Jesus anywhere. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll stand up for Jesus. Then you get out there and, and somebody goes, hey, well, you one of those Christians? Oh, what? Why? Or, or they get a hint and somebody comes up against you and they don't like Christianity. Do you speak up? I mean, the world doesn't have a problem sharing with you what they do. The world doesn't have a problem sharing all their darkness with you. Why would you be ashamed to just tell someone, you know what, Jesus loves you? He died for you? I mean, you don't have to be like a loony. You don't have to be like a, a psycho when you go out there to share the gospel. I mean, I mean we, we used to really make a mess of things. We used to stand on the corner and go, repent or perish, turn or burn. We weren't making friends. And then God had to show us grace, and we just started coming to people and saying, you know what, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I see your life is crazy. I see you're going through things, but Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross from you. Um, you know what? He's the only one that can fix you. 
And we need to have that kind of a heart. But here we're coming to a portion of the Scripture where we find the Apostle Paul in prison, in a Mamertine prison in Rome, awaiting to be beheaded. And he writes this last epistle, he writes to Timothy, and you'll notice throughout the whole epistle of 2 Timothy, Paul's not interested in what he's going through. Paul's not moaning and groaning about the position that he's in. He's in a Mamertine prison, a dungeon, in darkness, up to his knees in sewage. It's damp, it's cold, it stinks. He's about to be beheaded, and he's all excited thinking about the promise of life. <coughs> and his, his main concern is, Timothy, keep going. Timothy, you can do this. Timothy was the pastor over the area of Ephesus, which was a multitude of churches, and there was stuff going on. The church was being persecuted Caesar started killing Christians, feeding them to the lions, throwing them into the gladiator pit. Paul was arrested for preaching the gospel. And what it caused, it caused people to be ashamed of the name of Jesus. And I ask you, if it was a crime to be a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Does anybody out in the public know that you're a Christian? Or are you so undercover if I was to say, hey, is, you know so-and-so? Yeah, I know that guy. Is he a Christian? I don't know. People should know. That's why we're making those shirts, those Jesus freak shirts. We're making Jesus freak shirts, and they're coming. And if everyone in here wears one and goes out in the community, oh, man. <laughs> now, I know some of you are timid. I know some of you, it, it's like you're, you're not ashamed of the name of Jesus, but you're just a little timid. You're a little fearful. And, and, and it's like to open up a conversation like that, you feel like, I, I, you know what, I just don't qualify. And all you got to do is share how you got saved. That's it. How did you get saved? I was, uh, I was an idiot, and I got saved. It's pretty simple. Jesus died on the cross for me. He paid for my sins, rose on the third day. I got Jesus. And you can have Jesus, too. It's so easy. So here's the thing. We just thought we would help you out and get Jesus freak shirts because I'll tell you what, if we just all walk through the community, it stirs heads. It causes conversation. You don't even have to say anything and someone will go, man, I like your shirt. Are you a brother? Yes. And you can pray with them and then you'll get somebody to look at you and they'll be all upset because you're wearing that shirt and you're like, Jesus loves you, you know? No shame to claim the name. It's so important, especially in these last days. Let me tell you something. You know, what sealed it for Sodom and Gomorrah for judgment was when they started glorifying homosexuality. Now, God loves the homosexual, but he hates the sin. God loves the heterosexual, but he hates the sin. And our country right now is glorifying those things. I really believe we don't have much time, and I say that because we need to get out there and share the gospel. We need not to be ashamed to claim the name because there's people out there dying on their way to hell. You have to have a heart for them if you're a true believer. The fruit of the Spirit is what? I'll give you one more shot of that. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Thank you. I knew you knew it. So that means a love for your brothers and sisters. That means a love for the church. That means a love for the lost. 
Do you have a heart for the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have a heart for those that are dying and on their way to hell? Man, I want to get out there and reach people for the name of Jesus. But in this time of Paul, here's what was happening. Because Christians were being murdered, because Christians were being thrown in jail, it caused fear. And people were fleeing from church. I mean, if they told us that we couldn't gather here next Sunday or we'd go to jail, would you show up? That, that's really a decider, isn't it? it, it you know, I, I think of uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Anybody ever read that? Oh, my gosh. When you read that, you hear about these people that were put to death for the name of Jesus and, and told to denounce the name of Jesus or die, and they said, kill me. People that were burned at the stake because they were believers while they sang worship songs while they're burning. And I think back when they emptied out Afghanistan and they pulled out of there and, and it was really a mess. And, and what I saw was one day, check this out, there was like two, three hundred Afghani Christians that were walking down a street. Grandmas, grandpas, fathers, mothers and children. And these terrorist soldiers were marching some 300 people down the street to take them to an empty block to slaughter them. And they knew it. And with joy, they sang worship the whole way. And they kept singing worship when they gunned them all down. That, you can only do that by the power of God. And you look at Fox's Book of Martyrs, and you see people that were tortured, that were crucified. We, we, uh, there's there's, there's uh, testimonies of, of, like, I forget the guy's name, but he was, he was being burned at the stake, and he was singing so loud, praising God, it was upsetting the soldiers that set him on fire. They started shooting arrows at him to kill him, to shut him up. Wow. And like I said about the Apostle Paul, I figure he probably shared the gospel all the way to the guillotine or the hatchet or whatever they did to take his head off. And probably the guy carrying the hatchet, the axe, he just said, Jesus loves you. Man, can you imagine? When you start teaching truth and you start standing up for truth, you're going to be persecuted. We've been under attack before as a church. And I think as days go on, the church is going to become more and more under attack because people aren't tolerant of Christians. And I guess the real question is, we can stand here or sit here today and say, you know, I'm going to stand up for the name of Jesus, but let me ask you this, at what point will you pull back? What is your limit? I mean, I think of Peter. Remember Peter? Oh, Lord, these guys, yeah, they'll deny you. I won't. I'm right there for you. You can count on me. But let me, can I encourage you? Have you ever failed for Jesus? Have you ever failed to speak up when he told you to speak up? Have you ever failed to do something? It's those times that he uses to rock our hearts and our minds that causes us that that will never happen again. 
Peter's failure turned out into a positive thing because God allowed it to happen to affect Peter in such a way it broke his heart and he sobbed over what he did and he said, I will never do that again. I am standing up for Jesus even if they crucify me upside down. And I got to tell you, it's the failures in my life that has pushed me to never let those things happen again. So don't get so down on yourself when you failed, because if it really wounded you deeply, that means God's going to use you greatly. So he says there in verse. Eight, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus. Woo, that's good news. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to claim the name. See, Paul had to say that because people were being ashamed to associate themselves with Paul. Paul was a renegade in the Romans' eyes. That's why he was facing execution. And so when the church is under attack, people will be ashamed to say they're Christians. People will be ashamed to be associated with the church. And, and people were ashamed to be associated with Paul. And Paul saying, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. What's the testimony of our Lord? That Jesus died on the cross for our sins, rose on the third day, ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father and that you are saved by grace, not of your works. Don't be ashamed to share that with someone. And then he says there, In verse 9, who has saved us, speaking of Jesus, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. That is such a great verse. For all those who are trying to earn their way to heaven, you can't earn your way to heaven. And how many Christian churches, so-called Christian churches, have gone back under the law? And just removed themselves from the grace of God and the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. The, the scriptures are so clear, I can't save me. You can't save you. You can't do anything to earn your salvation. It's a gift from God. Because if it was works, we would all boast. Man, boy, God got something when he got me. Did you see what I did? Yeah, got me into heaven, I'll tell you. It's grace. He puts a gift out there and he says, take the gift and live forever. It's important to understand that. You know, it's not of works. And and I'm really bummed when I see Christians. You know, here's the thing. When you get saved, you're so full of grace, right? You don't even know any scripture. You just know you're saved and Jesus, woo-hoo! You're telling everybody about Jesus. You're like, yeah. And then you get a couple of verses under your belt and all of a sudden you become concerned. You become concerned with everybody else's walk except your own. And that's when legalism can creep in. And God doesn't want, he hates legalism. The Son has set you free, you're free indeed. But already in Ephesus, there was seeds of legalism that was causing those to turn away from the grace of God. 
And Paul was warning Timothy, teach sound doctrine. Paul was warning Timothy, stay away from legalisms. Paul was warning Timothy, don't let people take you back under the bondage of the law because the Son has set you free. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was the fulfillment of the law. The scripture says we are no longer under the law. We are dead to the law. He fulfilled the law. We are now under grace, but that grace that we're under causes me to keep the law more than when I was under works. That's the beauty and the power of the Holy Spirit. So stay away from legalisms. I have a dear friend that um, I love his family. They used to go, to go to church here years ago, and now they've been living in the mainland. But here, here's, the, here's the crazy thing. They heard some guy on the Internet say something, and all of a sudden their whole life changed, and they learned something that Christians just haven't learned because this guy had some kind of revelation that nobody else had. And I was like, well, that's interesting because God says I have all I need. But he went back under the law, and he said, you got to keep the Sabbath. Love the guy. Love his family. And he's got like a thread of people, about 150 people on a text thread, and he's sending out all this stuff all the time. You know, you got to keep the Sabbath. And, and he, was, he was getting a hold of me and saying, you know what, you got to tell your church. You got you to tell your church. You got to gather on the Sabbath. You got to worship on the Sabbath. You got to keep that, or you guys ain't going to make it. And I was like, bro, you're a legalist. And he goes, no, you got to keep the Sabbath. I go, what do you base that on? And he went through all these Old Testament passages. I go, bro, read the New Testament. Jesus is a fulfillment of the Sabbath. Jesus is the Lord of Sabbath. When I'm in Jesus Christ, I'm resting in the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm no longer under the law, but I couldn't convince him. And I've taken him to passages like this that were saved by faith and not of our works. And I couldn't get anywhere with him. And it shouldn't be like that. It was legalism. Let's talk about another one. Versions of the Bible. There's a lot of people going around telling other people they don't measure up because of the version of the Bible they got. And that somehow you're inadequate or you don't line up or you don't measure up because you don't have a certain version. That is so wrong. Even to go as far as to say that everybody else that doesn't have the version that I got is got a doctrine of the devil. That is so wrong. Do not partake in that. I love the Bible I got. But unfortunately, what breaks my heart is when I see Christians dividing and not willing to fellowship with one another or fellowship with another church because it doesn't use a King James Bible. I break my heart when I have some people that won't fellowship with another church or to fellowship with others because they do use a King James Bible. It's so wrong. And to belittle somebody that if they don't have the so-called only version is a lack of grace and causes division, and God hates division. Listen, we got to stop trying to compare English versions to English versions. If you want to compare an English translation to something, compare it to the Hebrew and the Greek. But I'll tell you this. Let me say this, and I mean this with all my heart. I've known a lot of spirit-filled on fire Christians. Jesus is just pouring out of them. The fruit of the Spirit love is just pouring out of them. They're loving people. They're encouraging people. They're a breath of fresh air. They serve like nothing. I mean, like, like crazy, you know, and they, it's just Jesus is pouring out of them and they don't have a King James. 
And then I've known people that are King James only that have no love, no fruit. I would rather serve with a spirit-filled Christian on fire for Jesus with love pouring out of them than somebody that has no love and thinks they got the right version. You know what else bothers me is we see people not wanting to fellowship with other churches and other people because they're Pentecostal. And then there's people that don't want to fellowship with other churches and other people because they're not Pentecostal. That's so wrong. That is so wrong. And then look at, we're stuck in the middle. Because like to the Pentecostal, we're not Pentecostal enough. And to the guy that doesn't believe in, you know, charismatic stuff, we're not, we're, we're too Pentecostal. There needs to be a balance. The Lord told us in his word through Paul and Corinthians, the balance, the order of the gifts of the spirit. We believe in the gifts of the spirit. We get excited about worship. Could you tell? But when you start not fellowshipping with another church because they're too charismatic or you stop fellowshipping, fellowshipping with another church because they're not charismatic enough, something's wrong with you. Our hands reach out to everybody. See, Satan loves to divide. If Satan can't stop a church, he joins the church. And what does he do? He comes in and he says, hey, you know, he, he brings in his legalisms. Hey, what version of the Bible you're using? Hey, what day are you worshiping on? Hey, are you charismatic or not charismatic? He, he comes in. He knows how to divide the church. And let me just say this. I'm saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, not by the version of Bible I have. I'm not saved by what day I worship on. You want to worship Saturday? Great. You want to worship Sunday? That's awesome. You want to worship every day? I'm saved by Jesus Christ. I'm not saved because I'm charismatic or I'm not charismatic. I'm saved because of what Jesus did on the cross for my sins, and I took the gift, and now I have eternal life. God doesn't want a legal relationship with you. He wants a loving relationship. You remember the church of Ephesus was warned. Paul warned him. He said, you know what? I'm going to leave. You're never going to see me again. But wolves are going to rise up amongst you, even amongst your own. And they're going to take you off in a different direction. They're, they're going to get the focus off the love of Jesus and on legalisms and other things that don't benefit or profit. And he says, be very, very careful. And what happened was Ephesus started warring against false doctrine, so much so they forgot their first love. You know, you can get so caught up in straightening people out that no longer are you sharing the gospel. And Jesus had to say to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, he says, you know, I love what you guys are doing. You're doing some great stuff. It's awesome. But here's the problem I have with you is that you left your first love. Repent and return to your first love. Repent and return to that relationship with God where you are just relying on God for everything every single day where you don't try to do anything in your own power but you do it in the power of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. So in verse 9 he says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and the grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the time began, before the world began but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus has abolished death. That's good news. Hello? That is so good news, man. I'll tell you. 
we as Christians don't fear death. Why? Because we don't die. We have eternal life. We're in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He promised us eternal life. And he said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Can you just say amen to that? Woo, that's good stuff. Jesus said this to Martha in John eleven twenty five. He said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Is that some good news or what? Woo, you got to love that. We have eternal life. And that should excite you. He says there in, in the second part of verse 10, our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light, to light through the gospel, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how we bring forth light. That's how we bring forth truth. And then in verse 11, he says, to which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. Every one of you has a calling on your life. Did you know that? Are you answering that call? Paul answered the calling. Paul says, I was a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Now, preaching and teaching are different. Preaching are for the lost. We preach the gospel to the lost. Teaching is for the saved. So you come here on a Sunday, and I'm called to teach you. I teach you the Word of God. We go through book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, teaching you the Word of God. But, you know, for me, I've got kind of an evangelistic heart, and I like to incorporate preaching and teaching every Sunday to get the gospel out, because you never know. It's good to throw the net out. Somebody might be here that doesn't know Jesus. And so we, we preach, but we teach. And so Paul was a gifted evangelist. He had the gift of being a preacher. He had the gift of being an apostle, a sent one. And he had the gift of teaching and he was using that gift for the Lord, and he wasn't ashamed. In verse 12, it says, For this reason also I suffer these things. For what reason? Because he was teaching the gospel and preaching the gospel is the reason he was being persecuted. It was the reason he was in jail, and it was the reason he was about to die for his faith. But he says, For this reason also I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. Paul, you're about to die. I'm not ashamed. Paul, they're persecuting the church. Maybe we should be quiet. Nope. Get louder. You know, a lot of times people say, you know what, I don't want to open my mouth out in public with somebody because I might get in trouble. I think we need to open our mouth and get in trouble. He says, for this reason I suffered these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, and I know whom I have believed in. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him unto that day. Is that marvelous or what? Okay, that verse right there tells you who gets you to the finish line? Jesus! If I had to get myself to the finish line, I'd never make it. I love that. He said that he is able, Jesus is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. 
Oh, well, if this is left up to me, I'd fail in five minutes. He gets, listen, listen. You got saved. You're born again. You got the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. That is a down payment. There's going to be a marriage. And you're going to be married. And the bridegroom is Jesus. And you're the bride of Christ. And the Holy Spirit dwelling in you is a down payment. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to get you to the finish line. Are you going to mess up on the way? Yeah, probably. But if you love Jesus with all your heart, even in your mess-ups, he'll dust you off and get you back on the right track. And he will get you to the finish line. Paul says, because I was sharing the gospel, I suffered these things. But he says, I'm not ashamed. He's in prison because he answered the call. He was ready to be put to death. Because why? Because he answered the call. So I want to encourage you, even though you may get uncomfortable sharing, the more you share, the more you'll get over that. And people might say things, they might call you a Jesoid or whatever, and you say, thank you very much. I love Jesus. I want to carry that banner. I want people to see me. You know what I love? Is when I walk, like, I got a lot of friends when I surf, and a lot of people that don't know the Lord, and they're great guys, and I'm, I just love sharing with them. But you know what's so neat is when I see them all standing around at the beach and they're smoking a joint and I walk up, they all go. <laughs> and you know what? That's the power of God. They don't know Jesus, but they know there's something about this Jesus. And you know what that tells me? They're this close. They're this close. So we got to get that message out. Amen. 1 Peter 4.12 says this, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though it's some strange thing that's happening to you. Lord, why is this happening? But rejoice to the extent that you are a partaker of Christ's suffering, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. First, uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12 says this, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's a promise of God. Can you say amen? amen. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're excited about that, yeah? <laughs> Woo! Let's go out there and get persecuted today. Philippians 3.10 tells us what a blessing it is to know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering. When you suffer for the name of Jesus, you are Christ-like. You are reflecting him. You are doing exactly what he says. No greater love than a man laid down his life for a friend. And to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, to be made even conformable, even unto death, what a glorious thing to partake in. John 16, says this, These things I have spoken to you, that in me, in Jesus, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Yeah. Amen. Listen, if you're going to share the gospel, you will suffer rejection. You will experience hostility, abandonment, mockery. In the first century, the reality was that you could die for sharing your faith. And that you could be put into prison for even being um, associated with a Christian. 
And I'll tell you what, it's easy to serve Jesus until they, until they start shooting people. Matthew 5.10 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. This ain't our home, guys. Acts 9.15, speaking of Paul, God telling Ananias to go seek Saul of Tarsus, says, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And so Paul says, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that, what I have committed to him unto that day. And then he says in verse 13, hold fast the pattern of sound words, which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And once again, he says it again, the good stuff that is in you will be kept by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by you. Stop giving up. Stop tapping out. Stop complaining, but say, I yield myself to you. How many of you have fought Jesus? Come on, be honest, you're in church. Come on, hands, 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 hands. Come on. Remember the time you finally gave up? You said, Lord, I'm going to stop fighting you. Lord, I quit. You win. And then the Holy Spirit whispers, no, now you win. Keep the faith. Keep the love, and it'll be kept by the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 15, he says, This you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me. That, that's pretty discouraging. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something, you guys. Listen to me carefully. Look at me, church. To stand up for Jesus, you're going to have some friends and even family that will turn away from you. Okay? They, they'll be ashamed of you. But you know what? You just pray for them even more and more. Because they need Jesus. And I can't tell you how many people turned on me and hated me and didn't want anything to do with me. And then down, years later down the road, I, I get, a, I get a, a word from them. I got saved. <laughs> Paul says here, this you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom uh, Phagilius and Hermogenes. There will be people in your life that when tough things start happening to you, they'll turn their back on you. Paul, in jail, now the church is under attack because legalists are coming in and they're trying to twist the doctrine so that the Rome won't arrest them because Christians are being persecuted and to be associated with Paul could mean death. And so this got these guys turn on Paul. They turn on everybody. They, they're under legalism. They're, they're messing with the church. And these were two guys that Paul was there for. 
There's going to be people in your life that you were there for. You were there for in the good times, the bad times, the ugly times. You were there when they fell. You were there when they were hurt. You were there when they were in need. And now you're in need and they turn their back on you. And I bet you every one of you has experienced that. And you're like, man, I just poured out into this guy. I just poured in and poured him. And then when I was in need, man, he was nowhere to be found. Hello. Pray for him. But then check this out. Verse 16. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously, very diligently, and he found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me in Ephesus. So in spite of those that turned their back, there was this one guy, Anisiphorus, who went after Paul in his time of need. And aren't you thankful for the people that went after you in your time of need? When everyone else turned their back on you, when everyone else said they, they didn't want to be associated with you because you were that, that crazy Christian or, or whatever it was, if you, because of maybe the mistakes that you made. There was that Anisiphorus. There was that Barnabas that came into your life who just wanted to pour into you and get you on your feet and let you know that God loves you. And I thank God for the Anisiphoruses in my life that when people have turned their back on me and called me hateful things that somebody stood up and said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. God loves you. And God will work it out. And Paul, when they were saying horrible things about him and turning away from him and listening to these other guys, Phagilius and Hermogenes, it's like, you know, going after the wrong guys, Onesiphorus sought him out and said, Paul, it's okay. God loves you. I'm here for you. Now, this wasn't easy because Anisiphorus had to go to Rome and then he had to go from prison to prison looking at the dungeons. Is Paul here? Is Paul here? Is Paul the apostle here? At the risk of being put to death himself. But he did not care. He was not ashamed of the gospel and he was not ashamed of Paul. And we need those people that will stand side beside us. We need to be locking arms out in that community and saying, I'm a Jesus freak. And Jesus loves you and gave his life for you. He died for your sins and rose on the third day. Take the gift and live forever. I don't know about you. I'm excited. I think we got some really wild times ahead, but it's going to be also super wild for us as Christians. And great moments. I want to close with this. Just a quick recap on this chapter. First thing I noticed that stood out to me was Paul in the midst of what he's about to face, death, all he could think about is the promise of life. What do you care what happens down here? Stand up for Jesus, and if something bad, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? You die and you go to be with Jesus? Because Jesus said, there's no death for us. You say, Steve, people die. Yeah, I get that physically, but think about it. Here's what happens to the Christian. Your eyes close. And then they open. 
and you're standing in the presence of Jesus. That's really not a bummer. I sleep longer than that. Paul is focused on the promise of life. And then the encouragement for us, and listen to me, parents, pour into your children. Train them up in the ways of the Lord so when they're older they will not depart. That's your job. That's your job. Sometimes over the years I've ran into parents and they, they come in. I say, where are your kids? They go, oh, well, they didn't want to come to church today. I go, what, you gave them a choice? Well, you know, I like to let them choose. No, you don't. You don't let them choose what they eat. You don't let them just eat sugar and garbage all the time, do you? Well, no, we want to have a, a healthy diet. And you choose their clothes, don't you? And you choose the, to make sure they do their homework, don't you? And you make them do chores. And you got rules around your house. And you don't like them hanging out with certain people. And you tell them they have to be home by a certain time. How much more should you choose Jesus? Make that choice for them. Not an option. You live in my house. If your kids say to you, well, I'm going to make my own choices. You say, as soon as you start paying the bills, you can. When you're 18 and you're out, you can do whatever you want. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But there is such an urgency for us to pour into not just our children, but everybody else's children in this church. We need to pour into the youth in this church because they are the next generation. We need to take an interest in them because someone took an interest in you. And so Paul says, keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on eternal life. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Pour into the youth. And then he said, stir up the gifts. And that word stir is a word used for fire up the gifts. It's a word of fire. It's, it's, it speaks of a fire that the flame has gone out, but there are still coals and embers, and that we are to stir up those coals and throw some fresh fuel on that fire to fire up the gifts of God in our life. That's what that word means. So how do we throw fresh fuel on our gifts? The Word of God. That's the fresh fuel. And many of you maybe were on fire at one time doing all kinds of things for Jesus, but now you kind of like, you cooled down, and God would say, fire up the gifts of God, stir up those embers, and get some fresh fuel on that. The Holy Spirit, the, the Word of God, in time of prayer on your knees, and rekindle that fire. And then he tells us, he warns us, listen, God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So if you're afraid, that's not of God. Hello? My son's got this shirt that says, fear is a lie. If you read the, books, the book of Fox, the martyrs, Fox's book of martyrs, and you see people singing while they're burning, singing while they're being tortured, no fear. I think God will meet you right where you're at. He'll just like take that all the way and let you be a testimony to everybody standing around killing you. Oh, I, I thought that was funny for me, but. <laughs> See, listen, here's the thing. God did not give us the spirit of fear, but he gave us power. That's deutimus. That's the Holy Spirit. And when we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us power, and that power produces what? Love. And love is the fruit of the Spirit. And when we have that power and we love, then we'll have a sound mind. I mean, it's that simple. And then I want to close with this, and I love this, and you should too. We'll have the worship team come forward. I know whom I believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that that I have committed to him until that day. Can we say amen? Amen. amen. Please stand. Father, we thank you.
uh, for your word, Lord God. We thank you for the reminder, Lord God. Lord, we pray right now for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit as we're about to head outside into the real world, Lord God. You have divine appointments for us. Lord, give us the strength to share your love with whoever we come in contact with. And Lord, if it comes down to the time in the future where we're persecuted for gathering, give us the strength to be a light in this community, a beacon. Lord, I pray that if persecution comes upon this whole island, that the unbelievers would run right to the church to find out what they need to do. And then we'd be ready to give them the gospel. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, won't you ask Jesus into your heart right now? Pray this with me. Lord, I believe you are the creator. I believe you died on the cross for me. Paid the price for my sins. I come asking forgiveness for all that I've done. I believe you rose again on the third day and you're seated at the right hand of the Father. Lord Jesus, save me now. If you just prayed that in your heart, you're a child of God. You say, that sounds so simple. It is. And for the rest of us, Lord, get us out of our comfort zone. Oh, Lord, come in and mess up my plans for today. Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Fill us with love and understanding and forgiveness. We ask in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.